racialism, Europa Invicta, and the substance accidents distinction. Welcome to the Baptist Broadcast. We are going to have a heavy one today. Uh, but the good news is, is that this isn't something I haven't uh, kind of played with or dabbled in before. Uh, this is not going to be an altogether unfamiliar uh, discussion as one-sided as it may be, um, uh, because this is a, this is just going to be actually some familiar concepts applied to a, a different or a competing situation. And, and, and by that, I mean this, um, critical race theory, perspectivalism or worldview epistemology and, and, uh, the kind of subjectivism that, that that creates in terms of biblical interpretation and and then alleging on top of that uh, kind of perspectivalism or standpoint epistemology, uh, the necessity of it uh, creates a, a problem for our Christology. And I've explained that elsewhere. Uh, I've written about it uh, and I have talked about it here. In fact, I think our, our last episode, uh, The Heresy of Critical Race Theory and Its Implications, was were along those lines. And, and you can find the same principles that I'm going to be using by way of application here back in that episode. And you can you can see them also in a sermon that I preached a few weeks ago on sermon audio called The Heresy of, of Critical Race Theory or something. It's titled along those lines. Um, but now I'm going to be I'm going to be applying the same principles to a different situation. What is the different situation? Uh, in, at the beginning of the podcast, I, I mentioned racialism and Europa Invicta. Uh, Europa Invicta is um, not a word of my creation. I didn't create that term. It's not original to me. It's the name of a website that creates memes, uh, which demonstrate the beauty of Western civilization, which, it, it, let me just say right off the bat, is not problematic whatsoever. There's nothing problematic about uh, about being in favor of Western civilization. There's nothing problematic about being in favor of the style of architecture or uh, the kind of art that came out of, of the West. Uh, indeed, as, uh, as, as Christians living in the West, we are, by and large, out of a Western theological tradition. So it's not bad to promote and stand for things that came out of the West. In fact, uh, the United States is an, is an experiment uh, that is, is distinctively Western uh, in its scope and origin. So uh, there's nothing wrong with, you know, I'm looking at the front page of their website right now, europainvicta.eu, and it says the West is the best. There's nothing wrong with saying that and standing for that. Every person's culture uh, thinks it's the best, if you get me. All right. So if I, if I were in uh, the UK, I would be saying the UK is the best. Like if I was a, a citizen of the UK, I would be hopefully patriotic uh, and somewhat nationalistic. And, and that's a good thing. Uh, in fact, I don't think nations can survive properly uh, or, or, or to their fullest extent without nationalism. I think nationalism is a very, uh, is a very good thing. Uh, this side of glory, in fact, it's something that is necessary for uh, the prolonged lifespan of, of any given nation. 
All right. So uh, nationalism entails the uh, cultivation and and stewardship of the nation that God has given you to live in. Okay. So that's that's really how I define nationalism. If you're not a nationalist in that regard, uh, then you're really just not stewarding that which God has given you to steward, namely your national context. Uh, you, you even you know bring that down to the city level. You know you need to have some kind of a. We often in, in our in our uh, more modern context, we call it city pride or or national pride, um, uh, and and pride is obviously not being used in in the sense of the uh, of the vice, um, but is is used in the sense of exalting or uh, or or standing for something in a confident and bold manner. Um, so I, I want to be very obvious about that. I don't want to be accused falsely of, of rejecting that very necessary uh, requisite to the survival of a nation. But the catch with this website is that you will, you will, there's, there's a, there's a very strong stand for Western culture and Western civilization, which is nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. But then there's a conflation between Western culture, for example, and white skin color, okay? And and what I see happening here on Europa Invicta and those who follow it and promote it and all of that is it's just critical race theory applied to a different race, okay? Um, so, we're, you know, the goal here is to tackle and take down critical race theory, is to tackle and take down the racism involved in that. It's not to just take their uh, take their tools and apply them elsewhere right that's not what we want to do um, and, and 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 why why do I say that Europa Invicta is conflating uh, Western Western culture with with skin color well I mean they will they will have pictures of like white girls uh, like little white girls for example with different colors uh, of, of hair but nevertheless they're white and it and it will say, like the meme will say, we have all the diversity we need, okay? Uh, implying, of course, like don't bring your other, uh, you know, skin tone into, you know, if you, if you don't bring, don't bring other skin colors into this cultural context. Uh, the obvious problem with this is that whenever you're considering Western culture uh, and uh, you think of, you, you, you think of, uh, you know, and I'm going to just say, I'm just kind of stating this as an aside, uh, historic, uh, a, a historical and historical aside, sorry, uh, is that when you, when you take Western society, uh, Western civilization, you conflate it with skin color, uh, you have become awe historical. And what I mean by that is that, like, take Augustine of Hippo, for example, who became Bishop of Milan in Italy, which is very much so a Western uh country um and um you know and he's operating in the fifth century and um uh, but but where's augustine from he's from northern northern africa he would not have been a white individual all right and uh there was much western what we would consider western culture or western society or westernized uh kind of civilization in north africa because there was a lot of osmosis 
between uh, between Italy uh, and North Africa, and like for example, Spain and North Africa. Those two sides talked a lot, and there was a an exchange of ideas uh, from the northern side of the Mediterranean to the southern side of the Mediterranean. And and so North Africa, which would have been full of people who looked very different from someone, say in Germany, uh, looked the same culturally when it when it came to um, uh, method in, for example, theology or philosophy. When it came to uh, certain aspects and facets of architecture, when it came to certain practices, observations, etc., Christianity itself was a a point of commonality between. Uh, north of the Mediterranean and south of the Mediterranean Sea. So um, what you, Europa Invicta does is it, is it implies that Western civilization is predominantly or is, or is, or is by nature a, a white kind of civilization. All right. And, and that's just that's not even true historically. But let's get in. Let's get into the more um, theological issues with this. Um, so one of the one of the things that. Uh, I've gotten into conversations with people about is is this idea of a distinction between substance of identity and accidents in uh, in uh, appearance. Okay, um, so what do I what do I mean by that? Well, let's one of the most common places or one of the most popular places the substance accidents distinction is applied is in the Roman Catholic view of the mass, particularly in the Eucharist, where, you know, they hold to transubstantiation and transubstantiation states that while the accidents or the appearance, the external constitution of the elements like the wine and the bread remain the same, the substance of those things undergoes a change. All right. It undergoes a change in the midst of the of the actual uh, blessing of the Eucharist by the priest into substantively the body and blood of Christ. Although the accidents are the same, which 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 means that they look the same. They still look like a a an unleavened wafer and a a cup of, or a chalice of wine. Yet in substance, um, they've been changed into the body and blood of Christ. So that that kind of illustrates, hopefully what substance and accidents is. So I'll, I'll, I'll give another illustration that's perhaps less confusing and, and more along the order uh, that I'm, I'm trying to get at here. When, when I, you know, 20 years from now, I'm going to have some additional gray hairs. Um, more, I've already got a few, but I'm, I'm, I'm eventually going to get, hopefully if I keep my hair, I will eventually have white hair if the Lord is pleased to allow me to live on this planet. Uh, that long, so I I will I will eventually have white hair. Uh, maybe my skin will be a little bit more pale. Maybe depending on where I live at the time or the things I've been exposed to, my skin will be a little bit darker. Who knows? Um, but those things can change. While me as a person, I I will remain Josh. Right? I will not substantively change. In addition to that, uh, I will my my cells will undergo cell death. Uh, skin cells will fall off and replenish several times over, um, and 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 my body will be in a constant state of change, 
right? But even though I am undergoing successive moments in, in history, essentially, as a human being, and I'm subject to all sorts of changes uh, going from potency to act uh, over and over and over again with regard to different things, different angles, different experiences, etc. Substantively, I remain the same person. No matter how many times my cells replenish, uh, I, I, I have an essence that remains the same. Okay, And even though all of those accidents change, okay? So how let's like how do we how do we apply this how do we apply this going forward? Well, I, what I want to say is, your skin can get darker, your skin can get lighter, but you remain the same person. Okay, and your your hair can get darker or it can get lighter, yet you remain the same person because those those kinds of changing changes are accidental to who you are as a human being. All right. You will stay the same, even though those things uh, that will nevertheless affect your appearance, uh, those things will change. Okay. Now, how does that apply to this uh, conversation with racialism? What I see to be racialism in Europa Invicta, and I think those who are promoting it are either uh, consciously or unconsciously or unwittingly promoting racialism. Um, what what happens when you when you when you identify uh, the accidents with the substance? In other words, what seems to be happening is that uh, there's some kind of substantial identity uh, or substantial link between a human person and their identity in something like skin color, right? So we would say that uh, Josh is who he is substantively by virtue of his skin color. Um, the problem with that, of course, is that my skin color can change. My skin color could even go away altogether. I could be, uh, you know, I could die tomorrow and be putting in, put in a grave and, and, and my skin will be eaten up uh, by time, essentially. Uh, so do I become less of a human? Do I, do I, do I, become someone other than Josh as a person because of those things. And I think the doctrine of the resurrection um, would, would, would say no. The doctrine of the human soul would say no. Um, so when someone wants to uh, substantively identify themselves, uh, be it for the purposes of nationalism, ethnocentrism, or whatever, with with an accident, what they're doing is they're identifying themselves with something that's going to eventually change and or go out of existence someday, which means that if they're identified with those things, if their substance is identified with those things that change or go out of existence, they too will change in substance into a totally different thing, into a totally different person or and or go out of existence. So there's no continuity if you, if you identify your substance with accidents, there's no continuity of, of identity at all in terms of who you are substantively as a person. Uh, you will not be the same person tomorrow that you are today. Uh, and that, actually, if you, if you retroactively apply that to the gospel, you destroy the gospel, right? Because we all hold that, you know, you ask a question, well, who is redeemed? Who is redeemed by Jesus Christ? Well, if it were me being asked that, I would say Josh is redeemed by Jesus Christ, right? Well, 
if in two minutes I'm a totally different person, then uh, I'm no longer redeemed. Uh, I'm a totally different person. There's no co- there's no continuity of existence. There's no continuity of identity at all. So you're either only changing, right, or you're not changing at all. And and I think we have to deny both of those things because obviously I affirm that we change. Uh, it's not the fact. It's not the case that we're immutable. But I also I also affirm that we stay the same in some sense. We stay identifiably the same in some sense. And that leads to an affirmation, a basic affirmation of the substance accidents uh, distinction. You can, we all assume the substance accidents distinction. In fact, you you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to you wouldn't be able to assume that your mother was the same person three minutes ago or the same person she was when you were a child tomorrow if you didn't assume this this basic distinction between substance and accidents. So. Um, how does how does how does that apply more deeply to our theology then? Well, uh, you think of it in terms of uh, you think of it in terms of of the incarnation of the Son of God, and who did Christ come to redeem? We know from places like Ephesians five twenty five that he came to redeem his church. That's the object of Christ's atoning work is is the church is is his bride, whom he came to redeem. Um, but in that bride, obviously, in the church, there are people of all different cultures, all different ethnicities, all different skin colors, all different hair colors, all different eye colors, right? People from all different cultural backgrounds, etc. Yet they are all redeemed and united to this single person, the Lord Jesus Christ, who took upon himself their nature, right? Or a nature like theirs, okay? Now, the question now revolves around what is the nature, all right? What is the nature? Christ did not take to himself a human nature uh, that could only redeem people with brown skin and black hair, right? Uh, We wouldn't say that. We wouldn't say that, 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 the color of Jesus' hair or the color of his eyes were were only good for, you know, were basically that way for the redemption of only people with his same color hair, his same color eyes, right? So we have to eliminate things like eye color and hair color from what is essentially, uh, what is essentially or substantively part of the human nature. Um, those are accidents because those things could be different. Jesus could have had blue eyes. He could have had green eyes. He could have had brown eyes. And it would make no difference with regard to the salvation of the whole church, which has a plethora of different eye colors within it, right? So we're talking about human nature. Uh, we're not talking about a specific skin color, a specific eye color, and then, and then taking all of those parts and all of those specifics and particulars and adding them up into a conglomerate and saying, that's the human nature of Christ. No, that's not what's being said there. There's the substantive nature or human nature of the Lord Jesus Christ, his humanity. That's what it is. His humanity. All right. Humanity generally considered. And then, of course, Jesus, in terms of how his disciples experienced him and, and how he looked, 
in terms of if he could have looked into a mirror, what he would have saw staring back at him. There were all sorts of traits that could be one way or the other uh, and would not affect in the long run the redemption of white people or black people or Asian people or whatever, right? Um, because when we're talking about the, the human nature of Christ, we're talking about uh, the substance of, of, of that nature. We're talking about the substance of his humanity, okay? And there are all sorts of accidents that come along with his humanity as well. The size of his arms, his height, the color of his hair, his, his, the, eye, the color of his eyes, what he wore, right? <laughs> and perhaps uh, certain tastes maybe that he had offline that aren't recorded in Scripture, whatever. Uh, those things are accidental to his human nature, the substance of his humanity, okay? All right, so... Um, Okay, uh, how, let's see, how do we, um, so, okay, so if you want to say then that, that a person's whiteness is, um, is essential to their human nature, um, and, and I would, I would say, uh, first of all, there are two things. If that's what you want to say, if you want to say that a person's whiteness or a person's blackness or a person's brownness you know, whatever their skin color is, is essential to their human nature. Uh, for the first thing I would say is why arbitrarily uh, make those things essential to their human nature and not other things like what they wear or their eye color or hair color? Okay, so that's the first thing that I would want to ask. Uh, there's no consistent way, I think, to answer that. This, But the second thing I would I would want to say is that if you do that, if whiteness is is substantively is substantively identified with a white person's human nature, then it follows. Here's the kicker right here. Then it follows that there are different kinds of human natures. There are different kinds of human natures. All right. Or there is a human nature and then there is something else nature and again something else nature and thus one one of these you know maybe maybe you would say that well white people if if whiteness is is central to the human nature of a white person maybe whiteness is human nature and so anyone who is not white is not human okay do you see how that goes if you if you take an accident and you substantively identify it with 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 nature, what you are doing is you are excluding human nature or making it exclusive to that particular accident. This has massive implications on the incarnation. Um, for example, we know that Jesus was a Jew, right? And he was uh, born to a Jewish woman. He would have most certainly had Jewish accidents of, you know, color of skin, color of hair. Um, there would have been several accidental traits that came with Jesus' uh, ethnic um, uh, situation, okay? And, and so the question is, well, if all of those are qualities of his nature, they're not accidents, but they're substantively identified with his nature, 
that for Jesus to be human just means that he is brown-skinned, black-haired, brown-eyed. Well, then he can only redeem people with those same accidents. He can only redeem people because that's what human nature is. Human nature, according to that identification of accidents with, with substance, just is who Jesus looked like along with all of his accidents. So if Jesus was brown, then that's what human nature is. That's what his that's what his human nature is. And if that's if that's really what we're saying, if we're really saying that Jesus' human nature is identified with accidents, then he only came to redeem those who would have those same accidents or substantial characteristics in the case of identifying substance and accidents. Um, and that's very problematic. So we have to maintain a generality of Jesus' human nature, his humanity, right? Um, he didn't, he didn't, he, he came to take not brown skin upon himself and thus re redeem brown people. He came to take skin upon himself. All humans have skin, right? He came to take, uh, he came to take hair upon himself. He came to, he, he came to be like, uh, I, us in every way, yet without sin, okay? Um, but what do we mean when we say he became like us in every way, yet without sin, right? What we're saying there is we're not necessarily hammering down into his, his, his physiology. We're talking, about, we're talking about his metaphysics as a human being, right? Um, we're, not talking, we're not hammering down into the accidental properties that he may or may not have had. Those do not determine who Jesus redeems. However, his human nature does determine who he redeems. In fact, he took a human nature to himself so that he could redeem those who had a human nature or have a human nature. Okay, so there are vast implications for racialism on the incarnation. Uh, there are vast implications for what Europa Invicta is pushing and, and the people who are following them. Vast implications on, on, uh, on, on how we think of humanity, human nature, and the doctrine of anthropology. And so, anyway, but I've gone way too long on that. Uh, I'm sure this is something you may need to rewind and listen to again. Uh, again, there's another message that, that, I, that I have that's just the episode before this one. It might be one that you would be interested in looking at. And then, of course, there are the sermons. If you either look up my name or Victory Baptist Church, Kansas City, Missouri, on Sermon Audio, there's a sermon I preached a few weeks ago uh, on the heresy of racism or the heresy of critical race theory uh, that you might want to dig in as well, so or dig into as well, rather. So God bless you guys. Have a wonderful rest of your day.